We need to guard our heart from jealousy being growing. We need to guard our hearts from even entertaining the thought of jealousy and insecurity. Because that opens the door for demonic influence. You know, I'll tell you, I'll confess you the truth. The other day, I, I, uh, I, uh, I saw a pastor. Something great was just happened to his life. And... Um, and my immediate reaction was just to not think about it. It's like to celebrate, he's talking about his, some good things happening in his life. I.e. his church is doing amazing, whatever, right? So, so my reaction was, I don't, I don't want to think about it. The reason I didn't want to think about it is because I feel bad. Because I thought everything's about myself. Like, why, why not me? Why not the blessing of God for me? I didn't want to think about it. And um, I know this pastor really well. And, um, you know, and somebody accused him of flaunting, of being braggadocious, just, just being so proud to, to want to share with people his accomplishments. And in my heart, I was looking for that also in that person instead of rejoicing and celebrating with him. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, you get, be careful about this spirit of jealousy and insecurity in you. Get rid of it. So what did I do? I go back, you know, looking for that story again. I look at it. I read it. I look at it. And my heart told me, oh, why not me? Why him? But my mind, my spirit made a decision. I'm going to celebrate that. So I say, God, I thank you for his success. I thank you for his success. I think, to be honest with you, my heart was not there. My feeling, my emotion was not there to want to celebrate. But I will not be led by my emotion. I will be led by my spirit in Jesus' name. Then my spirit man says, and when my spirit man hears from the Lord saying, do you celebrate this guy? I know you're jealous, but celebrate. Thank the Lord for his accomplishment. And just begin to meditate and thanking the Lord of how great his accomplishment is. So I started to do that. You know what? My emotion followed. My emotion followed my faith. See, believers, don't ever let your emotion lead your faith. Let your faith lead your emotion. Because emotion is very corrupted. We are corrupted being. I know we've been saved, born of the Spirit. But sometimes, you know, as a pastor, I'm telling you, I'm confessing to you. I get jealous. I go, <laughs> and you're not careful. If I was not careful, I allow the Spirit to fester. It will eventually lead me into depression. I feel sad. Oh, look at them. Look at me. Look at them. Look at me. Look at them. Look at me. And the problem with, with the modern society is that we always, you know, post our best. Come on. <laughs> we post our best looking picture, you know. I just, I did that too, you know. No, I was, uh, you know, this Christmas season, you know, we have taking a portrait, you know, whatever. And, 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 and you know, we, 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 we do Photoshop, touch up and make it so beautiful, right? 
How many of you received my Christmas card? Wave your hand. Wave your hand. Well, you know what? I photoshopped that. <laughs> if truth be told, right? But if you didn't know, you go, how come he's so good looking? Well, hey. Well, actually, I'm good looking in general, but, you know, I make it better looking, you know. It's joking. But we, 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 we post the best. And so if you just stroll through and you judge people based on what they say on whatever social media, you'll be very sorry about yourself. Now, some of you say, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do Facebook anymore. I hate Facebook and you make it a religion and you don't want to, you fast from Facebook. Good for you. But we all know whatever you do in fasting, you always come back. I had a friend, you know, he's not a Christian, you know. <laughs> uh, two years ago, he announced to the world, I will not be doing Facebook anymore. Bye. If you want to talk to me, call me, text me, whatever. Well, within six months, he came back. He stopped posting again. I, could, I thought you left, honey. You know, you come. But this is what you do. You overcome evil that is just you're struggling with, with good. In other words, when you see your friend is very successful, don't go, oh, it's Photoshop, oh, it's whatever, blah, blah. This is what you do. God, I thank you for his success. I thank you for the goodness that is going into his life and his family. I give you praise. I give you glory. I want to lift them up. Maybe I'll just type a congratulation. Wow, awesome, great. You know, you may not feel like it. I know you may not feel like it. You may feel like, you know, you may have all the reason to think that whatever they post or whatever they say is not true. But you celebrate that because it's a heart issue. You are dealing with a heart. And so you rejoice over the great things in people's lives. Say, I'm so proud of you. You're so amazing. I thank the Lord for you. Tell them about that. Watch. Miracles will start happen to you. Do you know why I know that? Do you know I know that? Because it's a principle of sowing and reaping. When you sow goodness, when you sow praise, when you sow encouragement, when you sow support in people's life, guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap the same thing. Come on, can I hear an amen? You know, we believers should know best about sowing and reaping. And so next time when you see something that disturbs your spirit, check your heart. That is not rage, jealousy, or insecurity. And if it is, overcome it with goodness. You don't need to necessarily pose a better looking picture of yours, you could. You don't need to post some news of yours, you could. But you can just cover the person with goodness. Give them praise. Give them a thumbs up. Give them a like. Give them a smile. Give them a love. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 2. So we talk about one encounter. And let's look at another encounter, and then we're going to close. Luke 2, verse 8 to 16. Now, we're going to talk about the encounter of the shepherds. Now, these are the people that are in the total extreme opposite end of 
what Herod was. So Herod was rich, very powerful, very successful, and, and have all the authority, all the money, all the accolades, you know. And the Roman Empire actually was very pleased with him. And so King Herod was, was well recognized. He's in the up and up in society. Everybody knew about him. And then we're going to read about the encounter of those whom the society pretty much consider um, the, the bottom of society. You see, we're going to talk about the shepherd. The shepherds, you know, to be a shepherd is like a slave. It's your, your class of being a shepherd is almost the same class as a slave in Jesus' days. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. You, if you can't find a job, or if you are a slave, you will be sent to, to take care of the sheep. And so a shepherd job is very hard because they, they really work on their own. They're, they're, in a dan- they're always in danger of wolves and bears. And, you know, their lives are always in danger of getting killed. And also robbers at the time, people come and rob. And many shepherds will, will perish in the field while they were shepherding the flocks. They were not recognized. They were always despised. And shepherd has the lowest of society, not only among the people of Israel, but around the world at the time. If you remember, you know, uh, when, uh, when Jacob went to Egypt and, uh, and uh, Josh, um, uh, um, Joseph told his parents, told, his, told Jacob that when you see the king, you just, you just tell, tell the king that we are shepherd and we tend the flock and that then the king will send you away because the reason was why, Remember? Because the Egyptians have a very negative view on shepherds. They are disgusted by those shepherds. And that's why if you say you're a shepherd, the Pharaoh will send you away to another land apart from living in the city of Egypt. And that was the idea, of course. They wanted to live apart also. So shepherd was never looked at as a very, very... uh, um, uh, high, very highly. So for some of us who call ourselves shepherd pastors, you know, we have a different view these days, you know. We have pastors that are riding on jets. I'm not criticizing them, but you know, like this is really, like the true shepherd really, I mean, I tell you, is being, it's despised by most people. So here it is, the shepherd. And in the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in the manger. And suddenly there was this great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those uh, with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. 
One of the things I like about shepherd, well, not like about, one of the things that you need to remember shepherd is they are very lonely individuals. When every family is rested in their homes, shepherd is on their own. And one of the things why I, I, I encourage you to remember those who are lonely during this Christmas season is because this is the people that God is looking for to minister to. While Will and I are celebrating our Christmas with a family having a nice time, God is, his eyes are just looking back and forth towards those who may be very lonely on Christmas Day. Now, I know a lot of preachers, including myself, they talk about how great it is that God revealed himself in such glorious manner to this lowly shepherds. Do you realize that in all the encounters, all of them, this was the most magnificent of all? All the encounter, we call it Christmas encounters, this one is the most majestic and magnificent. It's like, wow, who had that? No one. Who, yeah, they were able to see the angels, choirs singing, you know, whoa, praise the Lord, you know. Who are these people? They got front row seat of the glory of God manifested for the King of Kings coming to this world. Who are these people? You know, a lot of times we say, you know, it's so good to be poor. And so we quoted the scripture saying, blessed are the poor. And we stop there. But that's not the true scripture. It is not because they were poor. It is because of this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. Verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying this. And you all know this. Blessed are the poor, come on, read with me, in spirit. Everybody say poor in spirit. One more time. Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know that there are people that are really poor, but they're not poor in spirit. They're very full of themselves. They're very arrogant. They're very insecure. They are not poor in spirits. Do you know that if you are to see the glory of God, to have an encounter with the glory of God, you and I, our hearts must be poor in spirit. What does it mean? It means that we don't count ourselves that great. I'm not talking about being negative of ourselves. I'm talking about not having, allowing any arrogance to come into our hearts because God, He loved the lowly. He always wanted to raise the lowly. He always wanted to exalt the lowly. And the Word of God says that He despised the proud. So it doesn't matter what your social economic environment is. It's really what it is in here that counts. So you could be very rich, but if you are poor in spirit, you will have a magnificent encounter in the spirit in this season. It is the poor in spirit. And this lowly shepherd, I'm sure there's some shepherds that's very proud and very arrogant and very jealous. But God found those who are poor, not just poor, poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And that's why they were able to see the magnificent display of the glory of God. You know, many of us have wanting to have a special encounter. Heaven touch us. And yet we're full of arrogance in our heart thinking we deserve. We deserve as much as the next guy. No, we don't deserve anything. It's the grace of God, grace of God, grace of God. I don't care how many, Bible, how many years of Bible school you've gone through, how spiritual you are. We don't deserve anything. He deserves everything. We deserve nothing. And the only reason we are blessed is because there's this thing called unmerited, unearned favor called grace. And if you have that spirit, then you are poor in spirit. You will be able to experience the magnificent blessings of God. And you'll be able to see things that people around you will not be able to see. You'll be able to witness and testify and experience things that people around you will never be able to experience and testify. In this Christmas season, I encourage you Learn to be poor in spirit. Who knows? You may be to see heaven open in front of you. That will be the best Christmas gift you will get. Verse 4. Actually, go to verse 5. Ah, verse 4, actually. Verse 4 is good, too. Blessed bless are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So I want to declare blessings for those of you who are mourning for one reason or another. Mourning about yourself. Mourning about your condition in your life. Mourning of love, loss of loved one. Mourning, mourning about certain failures you think is of your fault. You're mourning. I want to declare the comfort of God over your life now in Jesus' name. All across this place. That the comfort of God will overtake you. Will fill you. Will cause you to rejoice again. They that sow in tears they will reap in joy. They that sow in sorrow we will reap in joy. So your mourning does not pass God. He sees every tears in your eyes. He sees every sorrows in your eyes. He sees every struggle in your eyes. You are blessed. You are blessed because you will be comforted. Verse 5. Tie back to verse 1. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I just love God because he's so consistent. He's always picking the people that we don't think qualify. They always pick it. The people who think they qualify usually missed it. They usually go, what about me? As long as you think you are qualified of your own strength, education, your connection, whatever, then you're going to find a hard time getting attention from heaven because he loves the lowly. Not necessarily conditionally in your environment, you're poor, but your heart is meek. Your heart is poor. Your heart say, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I'm not qualified. I'm not that great, but I would be great if you come on me and if you live in me, I'll be great. I'm only great because of only who Jesus is. You know, every Sunday I come to church, though I have everything prepared, I come to church feeling inadequate. In the past, when I was younger, I felt like maybe I had a confidence issue. But do you know 
that whenever you feel inadequate, that is the moment when you are allowing yourself to be opened up for the power of God to demonstrate through you. So whenever I feel inadequate, this is what I pray. Lord, I'm just going to lean just on your grace because I have nothing in me to give to people. What I say is powerless. But if you will rest on me and your grace will rest on me and your anointing will rest on me, I know that people's lives are going to be changed. They will walk out of the church feeling like a value had been added to them. They have changed. They become happier, more comfort, more confident, have better idea about their lives, have better idea about how to make decisions tomorrow, have better idea about what it is that is going on and that they are less fearful, more joyful, less sorrowful, more bold. And because when we depend on God, doesn't matter whether you're evangelizing, you're playing instruments, you're doing cameras, whenever you have the attitude that God, I, I just can't do it. I need you. Watch out. God is going to perform miracles through you. He's going to bring greatness in and through you. But as soon as your heart becomes proud, watch out. As soon as you say, well, you know, I can't do this, watch out. I'm not knocking confidence. I think we need to have confidence. But be clear about this. Our confidence must be in the Lord. Amen. Not just with words, but really our spirit is that, God, I'm desperate for you. I need you. One of my favorite songs that I sing during my devotion, many of you youngsters probably have no idea, is one of the hymns that, that I learned when I was young. It goes, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every Pray this your prayer this morning. Everybody, if you know how to sing it, say it again. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, every hour, I need thee. That's good. Oh, bless me. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come unto thee. As we pray the prayer this morning, I ask Holy Spirit that you will come and fill all the holes and inadequacies, all the shortcomings and struggles. I pray that every heart that is full of sorrow and burden will be filled with joy. In this Christmas season, may we be more dependent on you, on your grace, 
not our religious accomplishment, not our own righteousness, not our own money, not our own capability, not our own ability. May this Christmas be a Christmas that we cry out, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior.